0: Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head.
1: Welcome to the Undergang Armchair.
0: Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. So a couple of weeks ago, SMK here in Copenhagen, that's the National Gallery of Art, they unveiled a bronze sculpture by Julian Waring out in front of the museum, which is called A Real Danish Family, and that was in conjunction with an exhibition of her works, and both of them are quite striking and uh, well worth visiting. I was lucky enough to have the chance to sit down with Julian to talk both about the sculpture she made, about this Danish family, and then about her work in general. You are indubitably familiar with her work. She is quite well known both as a YBA that's the Young British Artists, and for her work since. If you do have a chance to see the show here at SMK, you really should. Several of the works are actually much stronger in person. For example, the self-portraits of her as her family are pretty breathtaking in person. So real quick before we get to that, I just want to tease you that we are about to reveal some big changes around here in order to expand your cultural bandwidth. Stay tuned, it's going down really soon. If everything goes according to plan, then by the time I'm back, we'll have some big news to share with you guys. Yeah. So that's that. I'll get out of the way here. Please enjoy my talk with Jillian and stay tuned. But uh, but it was interesting to hear that that, that Jacob reached out and invited yeah. you. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: is that how these pro- like, how did this, how did that start originally? The, uh, the, was it in Birmingham?
1: No, in Trento, in Italy, in 2008. I was invited in 2007 to do an exhibition in Trento. Um, and I didn't think the space was conducive to having a kind of like a survey exhibition. And so I said I'd rather make a new piece of work. But I only had a weekend to think of an idea.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, And so we went to – actually, we went to a bar and we were having a conversation. And I was just trying to find out what interesting topics were circulating in Italy at the time. And the curator said, well, there's a lot of debate about the very low birth rate in Italy. Right, they have
0: a negative birth rate or have had. Yeah, it
1: was really low. I think it might have been the lowest in 2008 Mm. in Europe. And – and there was this fear of the nuclear family disappearing. So uh I had the idea there and then I said, look, let's I'd like to do a a sculpture of a typical Trentino family in bronze, and we have a competition to find the family, thinking that um the curator, Fabio Cavalluccio, would actually say no we can't do that but he immediately said yes okay if that's what you want we'll do that and so it's really having that wonderful uh, open approach to kind of someone saying yes to your idea that the project kind of happened because it's quite a um it's a difficult project because it's very time consuming you need a lot of support from the person who's going to host it who'll be part of finding the families um and building the structure
0: and field um, research, and yes,
1: base. all sorts of things, and and finding the professionals there, and and originally, I so I kind of um, worked with a statistician in Trento, and they just had their every seven years. There's a lot of places have what they call it now, like a it? census kind of thing. A census. They yeah. just had one, so they knew what the statistics were, and that was that um, it still was a nuclear family in Trento, so I thought I'll I'll that project I'll base it on statistics and um so we the criteria was you had to have two children and there'd be two parents in the family and um then i kind of chose a local jury because i don't speak italy italian Th- then um i wasn't going to be part of the jury
0: mm. well that's actually a nice step back from yes. it. in that way I just yeah. let the locals decide what is normative in that sense you know
1: yes yeah, exactly, and, and I, I really like this idea that it's very collaborative, and you're bringing outside kind of influence in. And, and I like my my works quite can be quite collaborative, but not it's never been as collaborative as this project. Mm. And um, and so from the very beginning, it's always about bringing other people and um, letting them help develop this. Uh, and when I after I did the Trentino project. Um, There were kind of a few protesters that came along on the unveiling of the sculpture because they felt that they were not represented because it was a typical Trentine, it was typical, as opposed to um, all families. Um, and I totally understood that, but that project was about typical that was a right, project that was about, kind
0: of the point that that, that
1: that one was the point, yes, but it really kind of made me realize that it would be great to do one that is open to everyone, mm. and so I approached um, Jonathan Watkins at the icon in birmingham i 'm from Birmingham, and I said to him i 'd really love to do this project i 've just done in Italy, but I want to um, let it be open to all families or anyone considers what a family is." And he just said, yes, straight away. So I've just been very lucky that um, people have (laughs) been behind the project. (laughs) Let's hear
0: it for support networks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, I'm I'm usually very curious about where things start. And uh, the thing I resonate immediately with with you and your practice is is about people. And it it reminds me of being a kid and having my face plastered to the window of the car as we drove by other people sitting in traffic and going, who are all these people? What are they doing? They all have hopes and dreams, you know, those kind of things. And and I'm curious, because when you go to art school, as I have done, and I can uh, only imagine you did as well, even to Goldsmiths, yes, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, you are then explained how to make art to a certain degree. And I don't know about Goldsmiths, where I went, it was like, you did painting, you did drawing, you did 3D, you did 4D, and they kind of like give you everything throw everything at you and then you're expected to just kind of work your way into something but when you were already at goldsmith were you thinking along these lines or did you start in a completely different place
1: um i i wasn't thinking i mean i I, from i did two years at chelsea then three years at goldsmiths um and i started off doing painting and but i did love painting portraits and i've always loved portraits um as a subject matter from very early on. Mm. And I saw that as just, and I see this as an extension, but when I was at Goldsmiths, I was also making a lot of sculpture that wasn't people-related, it was object-related. And uh, I, I remember when I left uh, college, I'd, I was sort of at the point thinking, like, I really, really enjoyed it, but I needed to be away from it to know what those influences were going to give me because, like yourself, I did absolutely everything. I covered all bases. And, but you know, when you're a student, you're more likely to kind of be doing stuff that, um, is based maybe or influenced maybe too heavily on other artists and the history that was going on now or the fashions that were going on now. And so I was so relieved to leave all that behind (laughs) and, um, just find just I had had to go and find a job. I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was to support, you know, making some work. And it was from there that I kind of started thinking about things just um, organically, and not kind of trying to kind of think what ideas I have. Um, And then just kind of just knowing the things that influenced me really as a person had been television and um, watching 70s TV programmes. And um, and it was at the time when cameras were becoming recording cameras becoming very cheap to use, and I'd started doing some vox pops on the street, uh, part of me thought, maybe should I, I should go to film school now. Mm-hmm. But but then realised that, that I can't keep on just going back and being educated <laughs> and then finding something else. And you know, um, and it's then when I kind of went up um, onto the street and asked people to write anything they wanted to on a piece of paper. And thinking that this idea could be a bit lame to start off with because I didn't know what the response would be. And because the response was so amazing I and mean, kind of um, unexpected that uh, I just thought, I was so excited mm. I, felt, I felt like oh gosh I found what it is that I'm interested in doing I found something that I feel is um, kind of feels unique and uh, it feels like all the things I've been trying out over the years but didn't know how to kind of do it right and um, yeah that was such a lovely epiphany um it's
0: nice when it works out from the get-go I,
1: yes but it, it, never, it never as simple as that when you're doing it it's never it doesn't feel like that because it and it's also i'm a shy person and i was really shy then mm. so going out onto the street with a clipboard and a piece of paper trying to stop people who are very busy um doing you know whatever chores or going to work or, and then trying to say can you stop and write something but it, it was one of these very lucky projects that when I did manage to stop people, because most people are going to walk past you, right. because, No, no, no,
0: sorry, no. Yeah,
1: no. Um, is that when I explained they every everyone kind of really understood the idea, hmm. and because this is you know pre-internet and pre-kind of um, Twitter and Instagram the idea of someone asking them to write anything felt like this wonderful kind of release. You care about me? Well, just the idea of that they could do something creative, right. say something or kind of be honest. And um, it was, uh, I just realized then that, and it also kind of quashed a lot of this idea of when you have a perception of someone, because when you actually talk to someone and they're totally, they it's much more, you find much more things interesting in someone when, you don't know them, and you've given this opportunity to say anything they want to. And if I had kind of given people pieces of paper with written text on it, would come from a very narrow um, idea of, of of my history. And this gave me so much more. Um, and it's, from there, I've just kind of worked with you know lots of um, things to do with kind of portraits of people and. Um, both
0: inwards and outwards you could say in terms of family and also strangers or uh, you know other sets of figures but i mean it must have been terrifying for you too uh i have uh i work mostly with photography and i have a very hard time working with strangers because it's that challenge it's just that hump of actually stopping someone or say you know excuse me uh you know, and people instantly, you know, especially in a city like London or a large city, people are on guard instantly. What does this person want from me? I'm probably in a hurry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was it hard for you to kind of build up the energy to do it, or did you just take a deep breath and go for it? Uh,
1: yeah, it, it always, it, I, I, I'd i set aside days when I'd go out, and yeah, I'd sort of like get sort of like, you know, full of trepidation. But When, <laughs> when you go out on the street, and what's lovely is how. Um, generous people are with their time once you're able to stop them and I think because people might have seen me as someone maybe asking a personality test is what they had in those days compared Mm. to people doing surveys if they think it's something that's so generic like that I can understand why they would walk past because you're just kind of a they're just a sort of statistic at that that time but I am actually asking something much more personal and I think when I managed to get my sentence out saying I was an artist and I'm doing this project, I had like a really high stop rate then. But it's just that they had to be able to hear the whole right. I'm sentence. I'm not working
0: for a polling company. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm an artist. And everyone goes, "Huh." Yeah, I, I thought, <laughs> but
1: then I just felt that there was a real sort of, um, that's when people just really um, engaged. Mm. Um, and I, it, it's. And this is 92, so I, I think people have become much more, um, open to that idea of engagement now than they would have um, in, in the in the 90s. When, um, uh, but then I still found that it was much more open than I had imagined. Right. And people were far more honest up front to someone who they didn't know than I'd imagined. So it's really great when you find something that goes against all your um, ideas, really, and um and that's why I, I love sort of doing things where um i'm working with people because i always learn much more than i if i had kind of scripted something you know
0: they leave you space to uh find them in mm. it i mean i'm surprised at the at, uh, at the amount of openness people had you know just saying i'm depressed right now or uh yeah. you know a policeman with a sign saying help Mm-hmm. That's great. It yeah. has so many different ways you can go yeah. in that you know, yeah, uh, and, and and it, it breaks down the kind of visual cues we have for people. Mm-hmm. What oh, mm-hmm. this person so and so or, or mm-hmm. of this type, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's it, it really must have been uh, very invigorating to see after school because there is that gulf that opens when you're done with school. The oh crap, real world time. How am I going to make this work? Um, but, what happens? so you make this series and then and then what i mean do you are you, are you going on a slides under your arm and showing people, or how do you get uh, it out there yeah
1: i didn 't when i when I was making the work i didn 't know what would happen to it at all I, I, and um, i thought i didn 't know if it would end up in an exhibition and i didn 't have opportunities to show work um because i 'd just left art school um, and so initially the first thing I did actually was I thought they were great, and that they should be seen in the magazine. so I went to the Face magazine, which is no longer, and I took them the slides and they said, "Oh, can you leave them here and we'll get back to you and um they, then they did they did two pages um and so it it just, i i to tell you what, I knew they were good, you know so I was so really you confident, confident I was them. totally confident I knew the work. And because of what people have said, I knew that it was a, a great project. Mm. I had, I had um, complete confidence in that. And I actually won, I, I was then put in a, a, a young contemporary show that is for people who have left college, and I won a prize in that. I then...
0: With this work? With this work, yeah. yes.
1: And then um, I was, uh, I had friends, I had a kind of a former squat that was a gallery and had a solo show and showed there. And because they're quite small, they're they're the size of the paper people are holding. Some people um, couldn't relate to them, maybe being in um, a larger gallery or anything like that. I I had people invite me to kind of exhibit them, but maybe in the bookshop as opposed to Mm. kind of like in the museum galleries. So, but I knew that, and I said no to that. I was, it's, it's one, you know, it's. I, I just, yeah, I was just very. I, well, I still know it's a good piece of work, and I knew then it was. It wasn't something that I had to be told, actually. Mm. So, um, yeah.
0: And through that work, it basically kicked open doors to the, you know, what came afterwards.
1: It's yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it's because I, 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 yeah, it was. It's um, it is also kind of probably helped my confidence that I knew um, what I direction I was going in, and um, so I w- I started making more work photographically and video because i started off doing video when i left um university and it was too similar to kind of vox pops you you get on television so Mm -hmm. but the the video work helped me form the sign work and then the sign work then helped me kind of go back as well to video and make things like dancing in peckham so um they kind of yeah it's sort of this one thing leads into another area Mm -hmm. really but
0: yeah, and it seems like it helps also, you know, the choice of materials. Uh, you, you're not locked into any sort of format or material. You have sculpture, you have video, you have photographs of many different forms. Um, and and like when you went to school, was that encouraged or were you really encouraged just to paint or be a photographer or do whatever? Uh,
1: and, is this art school or school school? Art
0: school. <laughs> art school Art school. You know, when making work there.
1: Um. Uh, w- 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 Chelsea, I was very... Um, Chelsea, where I did my kind of... It's called BTEC Art and Design, which is like a foundation course where you go and you find out whether you should be doing fine art or graphic design. That kind of taught... I was taught to draw there, so I was learnt, I learned a lot of traditional aspects of art. And then Goldsmiths was this obviously open sort of like environment where it was um, very heavy into theory and you really thinking about why you're doing something you mm-hmm. know kind of um
0: in a kind of greater historical context as well
1: yeah and and, and also they they, they said no, you, they, they treated you like you were a mature um student or mm. or an artist that you have to you can ask for tutorials with who you wanted to
0: and you can take responsibility for your choices and yeah. actions
1: and and it was kind of engaged intellectually and um so i yeah it was it was it was and the encouragement was subtle, but it was there so if i had the best things were when you had a tutor who was very good and would let you speak and get in a way excited about your ideas I wouldn't say a lot of my ideas were very exciting, but they made you feel very encouraged about things um at the time you know so um so i felt I felt a great sense of optimism when I left. Which kind of, I, and I remember feeling very excited, even though I knew I was going to be without money and I had to find a job. But I felt that I had learnt, it's hard to put what I learnt, it was imperceptible. Mm. But I it had it, it given me an understanding of how I might approach something and develop it, you know, and it's very much about asking yourself why you're doing it what, and, and also be also being intuitive at times as well you, you, you can't just it's not all about having like something and following it through mm-hmm. it academically mm-hmm. you have to kind of have a feeling for some ideas and um
0: yeah i mean the reason i keep asking about school is i just interviewed somebody who is a painter and just was was fought her whole way through her education it was during the period in which painting was seen as various passe and and, and she was told no the whole way through and had a horrible time, really. So it sounds like your experience was really much the best you could hope for from an artist education, that you get some sort of foundational uh, idea, not about just being an artist, but about developing ideas and mm-hmm. having some sort of relation to to an idea of what's going on now and who's doing what. And mm-hmm. I mean, do you engage uh, how important was theory and criticism to your work?
1: The theory was there and you you could go to lectures and also they encouraged you to go to a tutorial of other artists' work where the teacher would encourage a student to talk and um, people to ask questions. And um, so it it was very much about engagement in – and that was very unique um, in Britain at the time because I know a lot of people went to other art schools – and they had very little of that. And, yeah. and maybe not even seen a tutor, maybe one tutor a year. And it was just about providing space and having a grant to make work. But with goldsmith, it was very much about in, engagement. Um, and, you and, you know, you talk to your peers about work and things like that. So... But did you
0: continue? Like, did theory grab you, or was that something that was just kind of nice to know about but not really something to use for your own research?
1: I think theory came later for me. When I left art school, I probably read more theory about all sorts of things. Um, And I I got... I mean, there's a whole period in my life where I didn't read at all from the age of, I think, about 11 to my 20s, and sort of i managed to do a bit of reading during art school, but not much. And then... um, when I left, I started kind of reading again, and I thought that reading helped. about art
0: or reading in oh, general.
1: Oh, well, reading in general, reading about theory and art theory, in other things, and sure. all sorts of kind of like philosophy or whatever. And um, I just think that reading does really help you kind of kind of think, even though it's not directly. It doesn't have to be directly what you're reading.
0: Well, then you're forced, especially at the beginning, to write about your work, and and you're forced to to in a certain degree defend your choices. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something which art school also helps you learn how to do because when you're writing applications or you are uh, preparing artist statements or stuff, you are required to write in to a certain degree a, a specific language in a specific way about it. Um, do you enjoy writing about what you do, or is there? That
1: hard because at some point you kind of i'm kind of kind of feel mixed about that because I, i like people to come in and the work be open to their own interpretation but i realize that i can help um people understand different levels of interpretation as well so it's um yeah it's a difficult one now yeah it's, a, it's a hard and it's yeah. hard to
0: also write clearly because you're kind mm. of taught not to in a way.
1: Yeah. Well also you don't want to narrow down what something is from your own perspective and mm. um and it's great when other people write about it, your work because it can open up different meanings to it mm. as well.
0: Well, I mean, where did you how did the project develop where you had masks made of family members and uh took self-portraits wearing them?
1: Yeah, um I with the my family members I'd found an old photograph of my mother I hadn't hadn't lost it but it was in a hat box that I hadn't really um, considered um, the image um, or, or looked at it properly something that I can't even remember when the first time I looked at it but then I really looked at it when I was in my late 30s and it was the first time I realized that it this photograph wasn't Actually, my, my mother, it, it was the person who became my mother, but she hadn't met my father yet. And she was still young, and she was in her 20s. And um, I'd, for some reason, like Dorian Gray, I had aged, aged the photograph. So she was always supposedly meant to be older than me. So when I looked at it for the first time ever, because I had grown much older than her in the photograph, that I realised, oh, she's a young woman. And then all of a sudden I started to kind of think about that identity she had then, which I hadn't considered before in any great depth. And um, I just knew immediately then, I thought, well, I want to become this person I didn't know or never knew then. And we we have a certain likeness. We were always told that we looked alike. And so I kind of... Um, and she's very she looks very optimistic, like the future's ahead of her. She's 23. There's this kind of look... Um, in her eyes and that's when I thought it's just it's not yeah, it's going to be me as my mother recreating an old so it's also about the genre of the photograph and how people were photographed in those times that's also part of the project how you kind of deal with how our genres of portraying ourselves have changed over the years mm-hmm. and when I'd finished that that photograph I wanted to do my whole family and bring us together as a kind of a unit uh, but we're all kind of similar in age, so we're all in our late teens, early twenties, all going through this moment where we're not attached. We're all individuals. We all have this sense of well, not knowing what the future is, mm. and and how we capture that. Because when people are are younger, that sense of how they kind of um, they're very much aware of their kind of physical identity and then I, so that's where that um piece came from but it also as i just said it kind of touched on the genre of photography changing over the time so it ends with my brother kind of the sort of the snapshot photograph and then you have the photo booth one i took of myself at 17 a self portrait in a in a booth and so that's kind of um the the kind of the concept behind it and then i you know getting the masks made i wanted them to be hyper realistic so i worked with people from who had been two swords trained, and had hair made, eyebrows punched. Each mask took between two to two, three months. My brother's bodysuit took a lot longer—four and a half months. And but that, so I wanted to Im- have their physical kind of presence. Um, it's uncanny. Yes, yeah, so I wanted it to look uncanny as well. And I, and I, one of my influences is surrealism. So mm. a lot of my work is still uh, coming from that sense of the uncanny, which um, I, I, I you know I love, really love. Agreed when i was very young and um and and what the only only thing you see which is because they're not my family members they're actually me is my eyes and i made sure that you could see the cutout on each mask right that's not
0: necessary Uh, per se they could have blended that they could have
1: but i wanted it to really Mm. have that because it's in a way that's not how you well in hollywood they don't have people don't wear masks they have prosthetics to Mm -hmm, make them look mm -hmm. like someone else but i wanted it To not be prosthetic, so I want it to be an actual mask and to have the cutouts. So you have these kind of almost sometimes crude cutouts around the eyes, but the face is very, very realistic. It looks like skin. So you do have that kind of slight, slight double take. It's um, really weird. Yeah. It
0: works really well. But the one of you as a 17-year-old, I believe, is the yeah. most blended. Yeah. That one really blends together. Yes. And, yeah. you know, you were in that case wearing a mask of yourself, your former self yes. for yourself, or yourself, wherever however you want yeah. to look at it.
1: And what, why it blends in so well? Because, obviously, because it is my face underneath, hmm. is that the mask can only be it has to be super thin because the structure is the same right. you know so it's i'm going to fit that into the it easy really one to make. yeah and of course my are, like my father's is going to be thicker because he's just got a very different sized face and mm-hmm. head so yes yeah, so that's why you can hardly see it i mean it would have been less than a millimeter thick the silicone mm-hmm. in, around the eyes mm-hmm. it gets thicker in other places
0: are you interested in discussing the mediums themselves because mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Photography as truth, untruth—is uh, that of interest to you, or is it just a tool? To, no, to I mean, the signs.
1: Yeah, the signs deal with the idea of what's true, and and and. Um, well, it's not about what's true. It's more about how, when you, as a documentary photographer, if you take an image, it can be what 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 you're seeing in there. We don't. We might misinterpret what's actually the person was doing. And I thought with the signs, the people are um, very aware of being photographed and they're part of how they are imaging themselves. So I, I kind of was aware of um, how documentary photography and um, and how we can uh, manipulate meaning by photographing people. And um, yeah, so that that's what I was very aware of. And it's probably more interested in kind of that sense in the very kind of early 90s by the time I get into masks I'm it's very fully aware that it's about kind of um, a
0: mask mm. uh, but you didn't show the mask for example you know you show the photographs as yes, far as I know yeah
1: yeah and, i have recently showed at the national portrait gallery oh, okay. I showed my masks yeah because it seems and,
0: like another layer you know you have a mask layer and you have a photograph layer and yeah. they both function as yeah. these kind of steps back from some sort of representation of you or a family or a history, that sort of thing, Uh, which I, of course, respond very positively to. Uh, You know, and even video, even more so, is seen as truth. You have the work out there, which I uh, just shortly saw, about Mm -hmm. one of the first reality TV shows Mm -hmm. in Britain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if truth plays a role in that, too.
1: Yes, I suppose what we think... um is kind of what feels real. I mean, you, could, you could talk, talk about uh, when film was first created, people thought a train coming through the screen was real. Right, because, run for it. <laughs> yes, but it, you know, um, now we would balk at that idea because you can see it's a grainy bit of footage and we know that, that um, the screen is just a screen. Hmm. And when I remember watching that program called The Family, which was based on uh, the American family they had, which was a year before, um, which was the first sort of fly-in-the-wall television program which was credited with sort of the uh, um, being the first reality TV that that term wasn't even muted then but with the Reading one they followed a family and it did look really real for the time because um, a lot of programs were very sort of um, scripted or documentary was a, a, a very controlled form. Um, when it went on television in those days, and here was something that felt a little bit more open, but there was someone standing in the kitchen with a camera. Or <laughs> so it's, it's so that it's a different form of reality. Sure, it's not kind of it's not um, it's not like there were hidden cameras. People were aware there was a, a, a film in there, and their um, how they behaved in front of the camera would have been also based on the fact that the camera's there so what what is performance and what is when you are not aware of that being there anymore right. so and i've always been interested in those kind of arguments actually but and what i find interesting when i look at that is that when i looked at all the footage um in that program is how people um were also very conscious of how they spoke, and um not to say the wrong thing, but that's all sort of how manners have changed over the years, and how we are, believe we is the way to speak and what we can say and we're all always always performing wherever we are, so um so we're performing now, you know sure. we're sitting here, we're performing most of our actions are a performance, you know because we are working with words that are instructed by someone else. So, um, but maybe our performance is a lot more natural over time as more boundaries are broken. And the internet has done some of that. People are kind of showing every part of their lives these days. Sure, and the ubiquity
0: of recording devices, too. That was very different to have a camera in your kitchen. That was unheard of. Yes. We have one in our pocket now.
1: Yes, yes. And so, but all all of it still leads to what is real and what's not. Because Mm. you can be saying, I'm filming my me in real time on my camera but you're holding a camera and you're very aware the camera's there so right. um, um, and but why can't but it is a, it is still reality because you are real and you're recording yourself sure but it's um yeah I, i'm very interested in erving goffman's um, the presentation of self in everyday life which talks about the when you walk out your front door you're in a performance and then the least performance you're in is when you close a door and you're either by yourself or with people that know you so well that you kind of drop a sort of level of performance. And I'm interested now, do, do, does that level, has it gone back up again indoors because there's so many recording devices around?
0: Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, London is the city in the world with the most CCTV, you know. There's something like 50,000 devices or something. There is basically no time in which we're not. I mean, there's probably a camera in this room.
1: I haven't I seen one. I don't no. see one. Maybe no. we're,
0: we're not. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's few and far between those moments where you are actually, uh, quote-unquote, on load. You know? Yeah.
1: But also now, because there's always been those arguments about, is it an intrusion to have CCTV cameras? But now, of course, people are the biggest CCTV camera going because at any time there's something that happens that isn't sort of um, uh, kind of everyday, people get their cameras out. So, um, if there was something to happen that a CCTV camera would record most likely, someone else would be recording it right. as well. <laughs>
0: and that, that's a double-edged blade. You have yeah. uh, citizen journalism, uh, which can be an amazing thing, and then you have an embarrassing moment which uh, you know, could ruin the life of a young person, for mm. example, being caught on camera doing something or you know and then going online, etc, uh, and it, it's, it's a dangerous tool. It's becoming more and more meaningful. Yeah. But it strikes me now it's funny that it is in principle the same as the camera in the kitchen in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It's just there's more of them. Mm-hmm. They're smaller, they're easier, transmission mm-hmm. is easier. Um I can only imagine you hate to talk about anthropology, but I have to ask. I mean, I can only imagine people ask you about that constantly. Uh, i don't
1: get asked that much actually really yeah
0: <laughs> oh wow i guess it's just because i feel like it's such a natural question yeah uh i my wife is an anthropologist so i i hear a fair amount about anthropology um and i know it's a bit of a buzzword in the art world to talk about it but it is you know in its base a study of people right and you do seem to be very interested in people and their behavior and what happens um what, what what does anthropology mean to you? does it have any role or is it tangential? i've
1: never i've never really studied it that much so but it's come um but it's has it's it's been raised a few times but not i haven't been asked that many times as i said before um but I can see why it would be raised with my work because um like for instance we're looking across here at Polaroids of different danish families and you could say that's a sort of um Gives you a, an account of families today in 2017 in, in Denmark. It's anthropocentric, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. So um, so it that it, but I haven't. I know sometimes anthropology can have lots of different structures. Though I imagine now that it's become more open again with kind of how cameras have changed and how people have seen how anthropology has opened up over the years. In and, and um, but I, I don't actually have a I a, a great knowledge of it and I know the history and I know some of the kind of like the um, people who have kind of made films but also have made films more creatively coming out of the area Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Um, I mean there's a whole field of visual anthropology which borders up against art Mm -hmm. you know documentary Mm -hmm. photography etc whereas people really are starting to blend in um, their mind rather than mine I would say uh, the idea of art anthropology mm-hmm. being related in that mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. Um, but I mean being interested in people doesn't mean you're it's, it has anything to do with and and you know uh, academic anthropology and that's it mm-hmm. um, but I mean do you engage with any sort of other research aside from artistic
1: um... No, I don't. Um, I mean, the, when I did obviously work with a statistician in Trento, so sometimes I'll work with, in areas that are sort of needed for that project, um, or I'll read. And of course, that's well, you know, that's by the by, really. Mm-hmm. But um, but I haven't sort of um, no, I haven't really.
0: Mm. It's interesting because there, they're, they're great tools, but they're also um, it's a whole. You know, the freedom we have as artists is we don't necessarily have to uh, engage in a strict canon. Mm -hmm. As much as people argue that it is strict, it's a lot less strict than academia. Mm -hmm. You know, so we can just jump in and out and use something over here Mm -hmm. and use something over there. Mm -hmm. Whereas you might be torn to pieces academically for not referencing Mm -hmm. X or Y. -hmm. Uh, But I mean, there's a whole other field that's super interesting, which is uh, behavioral economics. Right. You know, and that's very anthropocentric uh, sociology, et cetera, et cetera. Um but i mean i guess I guess I wanted to ask too where what where, where you're headed in a way, if you can see kind of a larger
1: Gosh, I wish I'd know. <laughs> no, it's hard because i you know i um I, it's very hard to actually even say how ideas um i mean I have loads of ideas it's like what, when do i when do I follow the idea that I think will I'd be able to evolve, and it um, be something that I want to work on obsessively and mm-hmm. intensely. So um, that's something that's so difficult. But I, you know, I have no problem with having ideas. <laughs> right, it's you have just a like, catalog, <laughs> and it's a question of when they become yeah. they yes. move up the, the yes. assembly line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's when something means something to you, and mm. that you want to, um, you know, and, and put. It'll always be a form of portraiture, I think. That would always kind of because I have been always interested in that from even when I was painting portraits. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, but in terms of topic, I couldn't tell you at all, yeah.
0: Do current events play a role at
1: all? Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. I mean, sometimes current events don't lend themselves to, um, um, because it's so current, it's so, it's so sort of like it speaks itself. In, and I always think with art, it's um, really about... Trying to transform something and change something and kind of um, make you look at it afresh, mm. and it's very hard when something is current, when it's totally current and it's in the news, um, and, and because you can say that maybe in time it becomes more interesting because it becomes a historical marker of what happened, but when it's happening and it's shadowing what's already happening in the in in the press or whatever, that's that's quite difficult, mm, I
0: think. Mm, mm. Well I mean, when you have this catalogue of ideas, do they the way is it always uh practice based in the fact that you have to start trying to manifest it and see what happens you know it 's not preconceptualized the final product necessarily you no, just no, have a thread you 're going sure to...
1: yes because I think I think most art um, or making work or films um, becomes more sophisticated the more you work on it, and I think a lot of ideas can start off being a bit sort of heavy-handed to start off with until you um, work with it um that's the difference between art
0: students and (laughs) you know more professional often is that you hit the nail on the head too hard
1: right yeah and um yeah so it's, it's it's sort of like you start to learn what it is that you're you have a notion sometimes and you've got to try and find out what it was sometimes you don't get there and you just have to kind of you know that hurts but that's a wise decision sometimes yeah. you know
0: or or you can just put it aside for 10 years i mean yes i'm revisiting something that i, okay. th- I basically threw away six years ago right and okay. i may be able to turn it into okay. something i don't know right but i had i had uh, nailed that coffin shut right okay. you know so it it is weird how those eyes those those projects change with the way you think about them and then also change with just attempts yeah you know sometimes you make a mock mock-up or something and Hanging on the wall, and you just look at it, and you're Mm -hmm. like, "How is this ever going to?" Yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah, it's 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 a bit like sometimes when you take a photograph and you don't think much of it, and then you look at it ten years or however long afterwards, you go, "Well, actually, that is very interesting." But because your mind is somewhere else at the time you took it, that you can't see it, and that we 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 all change over time. That's one thing that's for sure, and um, and different experiences will happen to us, and we become different people. So things will stand out for us in, in new ways if we revisit them as well
0: yeah and you become a viewer with a whole different agenda mm-hmm. and so you relate to it completely differently
1: yes yeah
0: i can't think of a better way to leave it another time so uh, thank you very much i appreciate yeah,
1: it sure thanks
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the undergang armchair the intro and outro music is kindly provided by johnny ripper and today's interstitial music was provided by RC. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our identity politics of a website, undergang.net. If you do like this show, we would appreciate it if you'd take a moment to leave a review on iTunes so others can find us. It would be a huge help. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with some big news soon.